Bravo Fox Pop, leveling On this week's episode of Skies and Beyond Radio, we go over the differences between jet photos, planespotters.net, airliners.net, and others, and discuss one of my dream routes to fly on, and of course your questions and answers. Hey everyone, Luke over at Skies and Beyond Radio, and welcome into yet another podcast. I was one day late from putting this podcast out, and I apologize. I was busy with work and family obligations, and my uh, dog got a little sick the other day, we was, so I was rushing around with her as well, but she's doing just fine now and begging just like she would normally do. She just had upset stomach, but everything is taken care of, so I apologize for being late, but um, you know, sometimes you just get caught up in life and it gets busy. I had a couple of different ideas of this podcast, and I didn't really know which way I wanted to go, but I, somebody had brought it to my attention. And I wanted to talk about the differences between jet photos, planespotters.net, and airliners.net, and a couple other aviation photography databases that are out there. So, really, what it comes down to is they all pretty much do the same thing. You know, you submit your photos online to these databases. Um, sometimes they take multiple weeks to get screened, sometimes they take multiple days to get screened, sometimes they get screened right away. But in all reality, they're pretty much the same. Um, I was joking with somebody else. Somebody had sent me a message today and they said, can you believe the queue uh, length for jet photos? And apparently everyone and their mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts are submitting to jet photos currently. I don't know if it's a huge popularity boost right now on jet photos. Um, So one of the things jet photos provides is not only a really outstanding database of photos that you can look over but it also they provide the photos for flight radar 24 and when you go on flight radar 24 if you have the app or if you've ever seen it you can click on any flight in that's going on currently above you or anywhere in the world and nine times out of ten they will have a picture attached to that and that picture of course is taken by someone like myself or some one of my followers or plane spotters or av geeks around the world so that's like one of the benefits of having your photos on Jet Photos, and really, it, what it does is you know it gets your uh, portfolio out there, gets you recognized a little bit more. Most people just kind of like having a database of their own photos, um, so that's one of the reasons people submit photos to them. But it's not all you know the same thing. A lot of people do it for the badges. There's certain badges on there you can get, and so on and so forth. But let me just kind of backtrack a little bit right now because currently in the database, and this happens once, twice, actually one one to two times per year, I usually see this, and that's pretty much what it comes down to. But the queue length is, is a staggering 24,000 photos currently right now. I want to just refresh my page, but I'm pretty sure it's still 24,000. It is now 24,200 photos um, in the queue. So if you guys haven't ever submitted to Jet Photos, it's a process. So you have to take the photo, you have to edit the photo, um, you have to follow their very strict guidelines, and 
you know, then you submit and you just wait. Now, of course, you know, this two weeks can go by and your photo can be rejected. So you pretty much just waited two weeks for absolutely nothing or just to know that your photo wasn't accepted into the database. It doesn't mean the photo was, a, was not a good shot. It still was probably a phenomenal shot. It's just not what the standards are of jet photos. I can rant on it about a couple hours, but I'm not going to. I think the more important thing to remember here is that jet photos and airliners and plane spotters are all just a database. You know, they're pretty much running the same thing. Now, there are some slight differences. Um, I've noticed on jet photos, their creativity leniency is not as uh, broad as, say, airliners.net. I have a lot of creative compositions on airliners.net that got through right away or that was ex that were accepted over time but jet photos did not like that so it comes down to you have to remember jet photos when their photos go up on flight radar they want it to be visible and eye-catching to the person that's on flight radar 24 looking at the uh, pictures uh, versus airliners where it's really more of like a historical database plus a artistic database but also as well um, just the standard database of photos planespotters.net is another one um, that one isn't as tough i don't think um, for screening processes they seem to be a little bit more lenient on certain things on the other hand they can be tough on certain shots as well for example, if you have a photo of an aircraft and there's the, you know, I always talk about make sure the sun is behind you, make sure you have good lighting conditions. If you do have that, and sometimes what happens is you have like a, a little bit of a sun glare on the fuselage, which may or may not cover up the registration. And planespotters.net sometimes will, actually, I want to say most of the time for my shots, will reject that for sun glare on the fuselage. It's just one of their small peculiarities that they will reject photos for. Uh, so that's just one pointer and difference in it. And so, if, like I said before, uh, Jet Photos goes, their photos go to Flight Radar 24, um, Planespotters.net, I'm almost 99% positive, go to Jet Tip. So if you guys don't know what Jet Tip is, it's an app you can get on... I think you're, you definitely can get it on your phone. I don't know if it can if it's PC relatable or not, or compatible. Excuse me. But what JetTip does is you can say select your airports, so either Manchester, Boston, New York, LA, and you can set uh, notifications for when there's cool liveries coming in or special guests or special arrivals, and then you can click on those photos and you can see you know of course they have photos that are attached to that. I'm I'm almost positive they use it i don't know if they still use it but i remember in the past they they did so that's one you know benefit of being on planespotters.net airliners.net doesn't i'm almost positive they don't have any external database that they send to what airliners.net is though is a very very good comprehensive um collection of photos and then like we're looking at different kinds of you know photos from different angles different compositions and there are some phenomenal photo pho pho photographers excuse me um on that database that really kind of you know show what you can do with a photo versus say you know just jet photos where you're kind of taking these kind of cookie cutter shots and what i mean by cookie cutter shots is 
Um, I'm trying to figure out a good example. Uh, in Boston, you know, if there's international arrivals coming in from the runways. They're coming off the, ta- off the runway into the taxiway. They'll go right past the central parking garage north side. So you'll get the exact same shot of, of different aircraft in the exact same location. There's no real difference between them. There's no real, you know, creative composition there. You're just taking the shot, and that's pretty much about it. So those are cookie cutter shots. They'll get it's the same spot, same location, uh, different aircraft, and so that's kind of like what Jet Photos is looking for. The queue length, I mean, I can refresh the page one more time. See, we're at 24,200. Hey, we're still at 24,200. I guess uh, we're going to be waiting a while in the queue. I think I had photos in the queue last week that were in there for 16 or 17 days. Right now, I have photos at the 3,100 mark, so that's 3,148. Uh, photos that are in front of me, and I have been sitting in the queue for 14 days and 21 hours. Uh, at least I want to say two more full days before these photos even go up for screening. They just they're just gonna sit here and you know hope for the best. Uh, but those are kind of like really the overall. There's another one too. I should have said you know I mentioned three of the major ones, but there is another one called AirplanePictures.net. That one is a super creative composition that you can do with your photos and uh, I submit a few there and honestly it's just it, the queue length is probably like four days but at the same time um, they're really kind of more into the creative aspect of things and I will give a shout out to uh, another database called Arrow Explorer now I'm, I'm, I'm on Arrow Explorer um, when I do have a chance, I submit as many photos as I can there. Now, Aero Explorer is a young, uh, brand new kind of like online database for aviation photos. I haven't had a chance to talk with too many people. I've talked with a few people that run the organization, but it's a youth-led group, which I think is great. And I think what they're gearing towards or what their message is is a lot stronger than a lot of the other online databases. And um, maybe one day I can sit down and have a talk with a few of the, the top guys there and see what they have to say about it. But I think it's really good because their leniency is a lot more or a lot less and it's more geared towards let's get these photos in the database. Let's you know share and showcase our own shots as best as we can. And you know pretty much it's like you know, you're, you're, um, you're communicating, you're meeting new people and I think it's a great thing. They have a ton of great badges and it's a Overall, it's a great experience. Um, so, if you haven't yet, go over to Aero Explorer. Um, it's you know, check them out. You know, it's a really great database, and their database is growing very, very quickly. So, anyways, so those are kind of like the pretty much the major ones. The Aero Explorer is the new one, which I like. I said I highly recommend you go check it out. Um, Another news, uh, so we'll switch from that and we'll go to the next topic, but uh, I have a aerial flight coming up here in a less than a week. I've been checking the weather consistently. I've already talked to Tower once. They know that uh, we will be on the way. It's going to be on uh, Monday, and I think the weather currently is looking pretty good. So we'll just check weather in Boston very fast. Let's see, Monday, Monday, Monday. Uh, it's... Yeah, partly cloudy. I mean, it's not terrible. Um, 
it's going to be mostly sunny in the morning, but I don't really want to do the mornings. I'm trying to do the evenings, even though the mornings might be a good option. Um, so yeah, it's good on aerial flight on Monday. That'll be my last one, I think, for the year. I do have someone reaching out to me for another aerial flight. I haven't really sat down and talked um, specifics with that individual yet, but either way, it looks like it's going to be a fun day. I think the foliage uh, coverage will be nice and. Up here in New Hampshire, you know, leaves are changing pretty rapidly, and it looks amazing. Um, oh, and, you know, it's kind of like we'll be switching. I'm kind of being, you know, jumping all over the place. Um, but there is something that we'll talk about in a second, uh, just because on Friday will be an anniversary. Not an anniversary, but like a one-year anniversary for something. But anyways, photo flight coming up. Um, I call it the fall foliage photo flight. Uh, we're going to be taking some shots up in the heli over Boston and looking for some really great, hopefully some great, you know, foliage, you know, backgrounds to get with these aircraft that will be leaving and arriving and departing. So anyways, switching back over to another topic, like I said, I'm kind of just jumping all over the place, so I apologize. Um, one year ago on this Friday, let's see, it's the fifth right now, and that means that'll be the seventh. So October 7th of last year, I did, I, I jumped in a helicopter for the first time and I did a photo flight for Spirit Airlines in the Manchester Boston Regional Airport for their inaugural flight into Manchester. Um, it was a really, really exciting experience. It was my first one I had ever done. Uh, there was a photo contest going on and I was like, I got to do something different. You know, I can't go to... You know, the Triangle Plaza, I can't go here, I can't go there. Everyone's going to be there. What, what can I do different to win this contest? And I was like, well, I guess I'll just jump into a helicopter. And I think I got a lot of motivation or inspiration, excuse me, from, say, um, uh, Ryan. Um, he gave me a lot of inspiration. Same thing with Vinny. They gave me a, just a ton of different ideas. So I did this photo flight, and it was absolutely great. You know, they ended up winning the competition, but... I didn't want anything in return, and I don't want to, I'm not that person to jump up and accept the prize right away, but I, I talked to the airport, and I talked to the director, and I said, you know what, I really don't need this prize. <laughs> it wasn't cash prize or anything, it was a tour of the airport, and I thought it was a great um, prize, but I just said, you know, I think someone else would benefit from this, so I, you know, they said, well, can you publicly let you know, people know on your story that this is what you want to do to pass on your prize to someone else. And I said, absolutely. And I actually passed it on to the runner up who also took a great shot. And um, he enjoyed his, you know, tour of the airport a year later almost, I think, because it kept getting delayed, pushed back. He's in school. So it's, you know, it's a lot of different things to kind of organize there. But it's been a year, and Spirit Airlines has been here in Manchester for a year, and it's really impressive that they've stayed. Um, I, we were talking about, you know, are they going to stay the whole time? You know, what routes are going to open? What routes may close? There's an inkling about a route being closed, which I'm very disappointed about. I don't know if it's 100% yet. I have an idea that it'll be 100%, but the Manchester to Fort Lauderdale route may be disappearing from our system. Uh, I don't know if it's so much that it's not popular. I know the flights are going out 60% full, so that's not the popularity issue. But at the same time, it's uh, I think it's more of a staffing issue. They're, they 
need the pilots and staff more in other parts of the country that are have more popular routes or so on and so forth and i think there might be pulling for them from like the regional airports that they use and then go from there so i'm not too i'm not 100 sure we'll see what happens with the manchester to uh, fort lauderdale route i really hope they don't get rid of it i have a trip planned in november down to fort lauderdale and i'm actually not flying out of manchester because there are no flights from manchester to fort lauderdale but i guess we can see what happens um, from there but it's really cool that it's been a year um, it's even more amazing that it's been a year since my first photo flight and i did let's see done eight over boston this year and oh excuse me seven this this one coming up is going to be eight uh so next like it might be my last one for the season don't know i'm pretty sure it will be i'm almost 90 percent unless someone you know maybe someone else could twist my arm or my leg and have me go up again but anyways we'll move on i just wanted to share a little bit about that i know you know it's big for me it's really important for me as well and i thought you guys would be interested in knowing as well now moving on i wanted to talk about something everyone has or excuse me av geeks around the world plane spotters and so on and so forth have a dream route that would like they would like to fly some people would love to do the double sunrise flight from you know on Qantas. some people would like to go to um, fly into St. Martin. There'd be there's just a lot of great routes out there. But I will tell you, and I've always been fascinated with this route. And it was it's from um, it's on Bhutan Airlines, and of course right now Bhutan Airlines and also Druk Air are operating on a very limited schedule due to you know COVID nineteen. And, you know, they have a mandatory quarantine of five days there that's still required. But this one specific flight flies into Paro. Now, if you haven't had a chance yet and you don't know the airport and you don't understand, you know, have never seen it, you can go on YouTube. And I think Sam Chewy does a great, did a great job on uh, overview of flying Bhutan Airlines. It's an A319 that goes into Paro Airport. Now, Paro Airport is the main airport where people go if they're you know want to start their truck up to mount everest um, it's one of the starting points where people fly into and they go from there it's not so much you know seeing mount everest on the flight but it's more so being on a flight that is extremely difficult to fly for the pilots now of course they fly at you know their flight level but it's not you know where they're flying it's the end of the flight so the complete des descent there's no IFR there. Um, everything is visual. And you can go on, like I said, you can go on, see Sam Chewy's page on YouTube, and he had like an overview of the Paro arrival, and it's just phenomenal. But the fact that these pilots take an A319, and they, when you fly into Paro, you have to fly around these uh, valleys, and it's just crazy. You're flying through the mountains pretty much at a very low altitude. At one point, they're talking about turning the GPWS system um, off. That's the ground proximity warning system. Um, and they, they just, they have to turn it off because the Airbus will, you know, tell them, like, you know, they'll say too low terrain or they, they, everything will just kind of go haywire. But they have to fly everything visually. And it's just completely wild. And I remember seeing the um, pilot or the first officer before they turn the autopilot off in the GPWS system, they they actually 
they're they're Buddhists, but they prayed, and they even explained to Sam Chewy at the time. They're like, well, we pray, you know, we pray to God because I'm a Buddhist, but mostly I think they're praying, you know, because they never know what's going to happen. But anyways, it's just an interesting route, and it's just a beautiful area. Bhutan is just a beautiful area, and I think. That would be one of my dream routes to go fly. I don't know how much that would cost. It'd probably be a pretty penny there, but you know, maybe one day I'll, you know, just decide to go fly there just to fly. I'm, I'm not a climber. I'm definitely not in shape to climb. Uh, I just, but I like the aviation aspect of it, where where it's going into the history of it. I think it's really cool. But what kind of you know dream routes do you guys have? You know, I'd like to hear from you guys as well. So if you're on my Instagram or my website, you know, shoot me a direct message that, you know, hey, I listen to your podcast and this is a cool, you know, this is a, a route I would dream to fly on one day. So shoot me a message. Let me know what your dream routes are. And we come to our last section of the podcast, which a lot of people really enjoy as the questions and answers. Now, on my Instagram story, I always put a, you know, question box. And you know, if you have any questions for the podcast, shoot them over. And we'll go from there. But I got a lot of great questions uh, this week. I'll only go through two of them. But the first one, of course, this is always a popular one. But how did you start out loving planes and turn it into something you do full time? So, first of all, um, that was Kevin the Plane Spotter over on Instagram. I, I don't do it full time. I have a full time job. Uh, it's, <laughs> I guess you could say Instagram is a secondary full-time job. Uh, it is, it's not a, my full-time job. It's a secondary job. And I have a small business based around my aviation photography, and you know, but it's not definitely not a full-time job. But starting out, uh, it was very from a very young age, I really enjoyed aviation. I loved the flying aspect of it. I thought it was just phenomenal all the way around. And I kind of just took off from there, no pun intended. Uh, and then about four or five years ago, roughly about four, I started taking photos of you know aircraft coming into my local airport, and it kind of just blossomed from there. It was one of those. It just I was good at photography at the time, and I thought might as well take pictures of something I really really enjoy. So that was aviation, and that's kind of how it uh, started and how it's continuing to go on. The second question is probably, in the last question, is probably my f absolute favorite. This is coming from MHT Plane Spotting, who's a phenomenal photographer um, based in New England. He's uh, up and coming, you know, number one photographer, I believe. If you haven't, uh, don't follow him yet on Instagram. Go check him out, MHT Plane Spotting. He's got some really, really crisp, like, shots. Just very natural at compo uh, his compositions and lighting use of lighting it's really he's really really good but he says he has this question is opinions on mass port plane spotters hate so kind of a background real quick when you go to boston logan to plane spot from the parking garage you have to fill out a request form that goes through Massport. Massport runs pretty much a lot of security and uh operate daily operations over at logan airport it's one of the very few airports that require you to fill out a um, a permit to take photos on the, in the like the parking garages. Um, I don't really know why. Uh, I've heard a lot of different theories on it, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, and there's a lot of kind of not hatred, but a lot of I guess you could say hate on on Massport. When the reasoning is because 
it, I think back in the summer, there must have been like a changeover within you know the offices because the person that did the plant spotting request forms wasn't you know approving them right away. I mean, I would get I would submit say a plane spotting request form on the first of the month. And then on the 29th of the, you know, and I would submit it for, you know, say the 14th of the month. So two weeks out. And then I would get to the date where I was going to go, but I would never get an approval form. So, you know, they would send you an email saying, hey, you've been approved. You can go up there and take pictures. But I would never get one. So I just wouldn't go. I just, I just didn't want to deal with, you know, being asked to leave if I didn't have a permit. But then like two weeks later on the 30th of the month, you know, here comes my approval. Hey, you've been approved to take photos on the 14th of this month. And I'm like, great. Well, that was two weeks ago, and there's nothing I can do now. So there was kind of like a lot of, not a little bickery going on between plane spotters and the mass port as well. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting group. Not plant this plane spotters, but the mass port people. I'm not, I don't really know anyone there, so I'm not trying to call them out or say anything bad about them. But they are a peculiar group. Um, I've been up there. And I've been stopped by either state police or Massport asked to see my permit. Um, but very rarely will they do that. Uh, I do highly recommend you still get a permit, though, just in case. Because, you know, if they do ask you to leave, you can leave. One of my worst experiences, I was up there. I had submitted the permit, and then it hadn't got approved yet. So I was like, ah, I'm going to go anyways, and let's just, let's just try it out. And I got all the way up there. Some of the uh, couple other buddies were up there. And of course, it was a busy day for some reason. It was like a holiday weekend or something. And of course, Massport asked for my uh, permit. I didn't have it with me. I tried to explain it to him. And instead of just asking me to leave, you know, he called the state police and the state police came and talked to me. Now, the state police officer was really, really cool and relaxed. He was an older guy. And he was just like, listen, I don't want to do it, but you know, you got you to leave, man. Don't make me come back here and get you out of here. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm just doing photos. It's not like, you know, I understand. But I try to respect everyone as best as I, best I can. And, you know, it ticked me off. It was a beautiful day for plane spotting. And it was, had great clouds and contrast, even though I don't like clouds. And I was bummed out. But at the same time, like, you know, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go home. So I'm like a 45-minute to an hour drive home. I start driving home. I stopped for, I think it was lunch at that time. Maybe it was dinner. I stopped for dinner, and I was just going through my emails. And boom, there you go. Massport approved my request to take photos that day even though I just left and I told him that I had to put a request in and well it, it was just it was an interesting experience so the Massport plane spotters hate like I don't know if it's really a hate it's just it's more of a nuisance than anything but I understand they're doing their job it's just the way it is from time to time I know there's a couple other airports out there that also make you do requests or at least you know call into security or the local police department there and um, have you you know, let them know that you're plane spotting. Uh, like I said, if you guys are ever out in the Midwest and at Kansas City, uh, make sure you ask a spotter out there if you, how to take photos at Kansas City without getting asked to leave uh, because it is not a plane spotter friendly airport. Sorry, Kansas City, but that's just the way it is. Oh, and a big shout out to all the Milwaukee spotters um, catching the Etihad uh, 777 that came in. Some of the great, you know, awesome shots that they caught. I think the, the Bucks were playing, uh, NBA team were playing in uh, Abu Dhabi, and I think they took uh, Etihad uh, from Milwaukee over there, and it was kind of like you know, a special visitor. And I saw a lot of other people saying, like, oh, I don't know why they're getting all excited about this, blah, 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 blah. And I, 
you know, it's cool. Like, let them have their time. Let them have their moment in the sun. I think it's really cool. And there was Parkview Spotter and MKE uh, Plane Spotter took some phenomenal shots. Golden hour lighting. It was just awesome. Go over to their accounts and check them out. But a big shout out to you guys over there in Milwaukee. You guys are great. But um, anyways, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, Make sure you stay tuned for next week's podcast. I'm going to try to figure out a different topic, and then we'll go from there. But if you have any questions or comments, you can leave them on my Instagram page. You can leave them on my website, or you shoot me a direct message, and we'll go from there. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk next week. Yep. Yeah.